Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. So, Michael, do you mind reintroducing yourself to our listeners? Just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, first off, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. Uh, It's been a while. It's been two years, and a lot has changed in the last two years. Um, But for those who don't know me, my name is uh, Dr. Michael Mash. I'm the owner and founder of Barbell Rehab, and uh, I basically help other fitness and rehab professionals improve the management of uh, their barbell athletes. So super excited to see where the conversation goes today. So first off, everyone likes a good origin story, right? So, and not only are you covering something that people really need to hear, but it's very uh, specific topic, right? So what was the main driving goal for you to say, you know what, I'm going to start teaching like, you know, seminar work, I continue education credits for something specific like the barbell athlete. Yeah. So, um, back when I was in uh, physical therapy school and even rewind before that, I've always had a passion for teaching. When I was in school studying, the best way for me to study was to teach other folks. So I would way back in undergrad, um, I used to take all of the notes and compile them and then spit them back out onto whiteboards uh, and help teach my classmates. So that was like, that has been a passion of mine ever since the beginning. And even when I was doing clinical practice, the first three years of my career, I not a lot of people know this, the first three years of my career, I did full-time hospital outpatient, um, 40, 50 hours a week for three straight years. And even when I was doing that, my favorite part was the education bit. Um, and then in 2019, I opened up Barbell Rehab as a clinic inside of a gym. And even when I was working one-on-one with barbell athletes, what part of the planet care and what part of the treatment that I enjoy the most? The education aspect. Um, so that last year, when we last talked in 2020, um, I was still at a mixture of treating clients on site. And I think we talked just a couple af- uh, just a couple workshops after I used to teach a one day workshop. But the big picture was education has always been big for me and something that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to provide value to other fitness and rehab professionals from an educational standpoint. And now that has finally come to fruition with a big two day certification course. So it's crazy how far it's come. No kidding. Like I, we were talking about this off the air and it was just like Raul and I were saying like, what a success story because you know, you really betted on yourself and now you grew this into something that is like a business, right? I don't like, like, you know, we say like, all right, you have an LLC, you have a business, but like, no, 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 you have a business. Like you are paying people to, you know, do stuff for your business. So I think that's like a whole nother level to uh, at least the chiropractic and physical therapy health space. Right. And yeah, for sure. Right. So, so when it comes to all of that, I'm just curious, like it, it went from, you know, you started to do a couple workshops and now you have this big two day course. So what was some of the the, I guess the, the trials and tribulations that you had to go through to get to that point. 
Yeah, um, I think it really all boils down to you just have to be fearless and send it. I think that's what it literally comes down to. So when 2020, I quit my full-time job in uh, December 2019 uh, because I said, hey, look, I'll just teach 20 live workshops in 2020 and we'll be good. And then March 2020 hits and I go, <laughs> oh my gosh, I am not going to be teaching 20 live courses. It doesn't look like that. So March 2020 was the test for me. Here I am three months after leaving my job. And like I had nervous family members, like, is, is, is he going to be okay? He's leaving his job. What is he doing? He went to school for six years and now he's leaving his job, right? All of that stuff. Um, and I had to make a decision, right? Sometimes situations force your hand. So what happened was we took that one day live event and I rapidly transitioned it to an online course, the Barbell Rehab Workshop online course. And that was the aha moment for me because we ended up just selling it to over a hundred different countries. And I was like, Psh, whoa, like major, like I did not think that was going to happen or anything like that. So we were talking before the show how I think success comes down to a, a mixture of a little bit of luck and consistency, right? Um, so we transitioned that to the one day course. So I spent all of 2020 uh, learning how to um, sell the lot or the online one day, the online Barbell Rehab workshop. And then come the end of 2020, I said, you know what? It's time to just gear up again. I think we're going to be able to start doing some live courses in 2021. Um, only problem was we were the one day workshop. We were doing 40, 40 people for that. Um, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to be packing 40 people in a room anytime soon in 2021. So I was like, what can I do from a business perspective? Well, one of the feedback that we got from the one day course was, hey, you just taught the squat bench deadlift overhead press in one day. It was good, but it was crazy, right? Um, there was just so much going on in one day. So I was like, all right, the next natural thing to do is let's make this two days um, and let's make it official and let's uh, call it the Barbell Rehab Method Certification and let's just give it a shot. Right. I did not know how it would go, um, but I think one of the biggest things that you can do as a business owner is just have unwavering faith in yourself and unwavering faith that even if things don't work out right away, that you have the ability to pivot as as you continue to grow. Right. And that's the secret. Like. The secret is that like none of us have it 1000% figured out. We're always testing. You, you come up with a hypothesis. You come up with a business hypothesis. Will this work? I don't know. Let's try it. And then you look back and you say, okay, it either worked or it didn't. And what can I do better? And then you just keep going from there. So yeah, now we're at, uh, I have four instructors that uh, help me teach the Barbell Rehab Method certification. I still go out. Um, so I'm not teaching every weekend like I was last year, but uh, now we have a full-blown team and I'm super proud of them. And you have different courses, right? Or is it just the one Barbell Rehab Method certification? Because I saw something about pregnant ladies. And... Yeah. yeah, so we have one live course and that's the Barbell Rehab Method gotcha. certification, but we have four online courses online. on more like specialty topics, like one on pregnancy, one on working with post post-operative patients, low back pain. Yeah. So right now we're, we're moving forward with just the live two day course and then supplemental online courses as well. Nice. 
you know, I do have to ask this because with any type of project that you have uh, your hand on or the thing that you're creating, you're going to hold it near and dear to your heart. And it's very hard for you to, well, at least I would assume it'd be very hard for me to choose people and say, okay, I trust you to represent me and my baby at a place that I'm not going to be at. Uh, can you walk us through the, the, the hiring process, maybe not the hiring process per se, but yeah. you, the selection, like how do you trust these people? What was like your thing that you were looking for? Yeah. So a couple of my instructors I knew from before, and the biggest thing I was looking for an instructor was, do you have a solid background in the biopsychosocial model? Right. I can coach somebody up on the deadlift. I can coach somebody up on the squat, but if you don't have a strong background in the biopsychosocial model, that's going to be tough to teach this course, right? Because that's like an entire way of thinking and living, right? So that was one of the biggest things was I couldn't have an instructor up there just like blurting out nocebic things while I'm not there, right? And then word gets back to me that, oh, Barbell Rehab is telling people that you can't deadlift with bulging discs or something like that. So the biggest, the biggest thing for me was everybody on the team has to have a strong biopsychosocial framework. Um, but other than that, so all of my instructors have that strong biopsychosocial framework, but they each have their little niche too. Like Dr. Sophia is a professional powerlifter. Uh, Dr. Hayes is a cash-based clinic owner in Tampa. Uh, so he works a lot with uh, CrossFitters. Uh, Dr. Ben works in with in uh with primarily chronic pain so he is our like deep dive pain science guy and miles um really enjoys working with overhead athletes so we all have our own little specialty niche but underneath that solid biopsychosocial framework it sounds like you casted the a team (laughs) yeah yeah part of the part of the hiring process was 10 questions i'll give you that a little bit of insight on that that was uh you have, I, I asked you 10 questions that could be potentially asked to the course. And I want to see how you answer them because I want to see that if we're standing in a room of 30 people and somebody asks, what do you think about my glutes going to sleep when uh, I'm squatting? How do you effectively answer that in front of 30 people yeah. without like alienating anybody without being mean, without being condescending. So there is a lot of like nuance that goes into answering these questions, um, especially because a lot of our audience, some of our audience uh, is this is their first exposure to um, pain science education. So we have to start to poke holes in their narratives. And if we just come out just guns blazing, like, oh, that's not a thing. Glutes glutes don't go to sleep. Uh, We're going to alienate people. So the ability to tactfully answer those questions is something that's uh, very important when you're teaching live. That's awesome. And I guess you're also, I mean, maybe it won't show as much, but are, are you also looking for the ability to publicly speak? You know, like, are you asking at least like, hey, are you going to freeze up in front of these people? Uh, I feel like the the way you deliver the material is just as important as the material itself, right? So I'm just curious if you, you gauge for that as well. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of like an intuition thing. Now, there, there is a training process. I just don't send these people out here and say, go teach. Um, they teach to, <laughs> they co-teach two events with me gotcha. by my side. So 
the first time the, the first time they teach they'll teach half of the course i'll teach the other half the second time we flip-flop what we teach and they're getting feedback um so it's just not <laughs> go, <laughs> go at it and hope for the best so yeah uh, and, and i'm fortunate that i have not run into a situation yet where i've gotten somebody up there and i'm like oh boy don't know if that's going to work out uh everybody has worked out so far so that's good um yeah i think a lot of it comes down to and it's really interesting because from a business perspective, I mean, I'm a big, I mean, as you guys know, I'm a big evidence-based guy and I'm a big data guy. Um, but when it comes down to it, I've been learning to listen to my intuition, especially from like a business perspective. I think um, if, if you're doing your due diligence, if you're doing your self-development work, if you're, if you are trying to become the best version of yourself, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I think that that can really sharpen your intuition. And that can be a very vital uh, asset in business development. So I've learned to kind of combine my intuition with with the data, with the evidence and with uh, all of more of the hard sciences. You know, that is one thing that's always uh, said pretty often by the higher ups, like, Granted, I don't know, maybe they're just copying each other's books. But if you read any of like the business books by these people that know what they're doing, that they have a success trail is they all say like after a while, you start to trust your intuition. And perhaps your intuition is just a compilation of everything you've learned and just kind of compiled into a short, short, short kind of way of thinking, I guess, <laughs> is the way I'm thinking about it. You know, yeah. you get that I, gut I, feeling for a reason, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think I think it's just like finding that nice middle ground and making sure that that gut feeling is coming out of a place of how do I serve others and not coming out of a place, not bubbling up because of like fear. Um, if you can listen to that gut feeling of how can I provide more value to people? And that's, that's the kind of intuition you want to listen to. Yeah. Now to, to step back a little bit, I, I'm curious, you know, when you start out a business, they always talk about there's like a tipping point, there's a turning point, right? Where maybe prior to that tipping point, you're thinking to yourself like, oh, is this going to work? Do I have a good idea? Do I switch the product to meet a different audience mm. perhaps, you know? Um, was there a tipping point where you're like, haha, okay, I, I'm here, my confidence, because you did mention unwavering confidence, but that's a, that's a hard trait to come by, right? So I'm yeah. just curious, was there a point in time where you're like, I don't know if I can do this and then aha, uh -huh, I can do this, you know? Um, I don't think there's ever that point. Um, the, <laughs> the unwavering confidence, um, that's not that's not something that you just that just comes. It's something that you make a decision yeah. to have. I have unwavering confidence in the business. I have unwavering confidence in my ability to serve others. I like to provide value. And I think if you start acting like that, then you eventually start to feel like that right yeah. um but as far as like those big turning points in the business there there was a few of them and i think that it's never just one because the bigger you get the, the imposter syndrome never goes away that's that's a myth um <laughs> the only people that don't have imposter syndrome are imposters <laughs> um so it's just, it never goes away it's just like the bigger you do things the bigger you're like oh crap i'm doing this right um, at first it was like, oh crap, I made a, an online course. And, and then it was like, oh my gosh, I, I made a one day live course. And now it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm teaching it under Arbor performance center. It's just, it, it never, it's just escalates every single time. And, um, and I think that's important because, so I would call it multiple light switches. And I, and I still don't think, um, 
I, I don't think that I'm done with those. I think they're always going to be there. And so for anybody out there listening that maybe doesn't have the most trust in themselves or they don't have that unwavering confidence, make a decision just to have it. And that's your starting point. That's a great point. I mean, I guess that's, uh, I mean, you said it so eloquently, but I guess in a catchphrase, I could say fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> if you wanted to sum up the last three minutes of my <laughs> soliloquy as that, then yeah. I mean, that's that's what, what anybody does. You look at these old pictures of Jeff Bezos in his garage with the Amazon sign. Everybody literally started somewhere and they just made a decision that, hey, I'm going to be that guy or that girl, right? And then you just go from there. Right on. Now, when it comes to, you know, the barbell athlete and the content that you you're in, I mean, me personally, when I'm making any type of social media content, thank God I'm not locked into a niche per se, because maybe I have the butterfly brain and the ADHD. I'm on I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. But um, does it feel like you have to start repackaging or uh, I wouldn't say recycling the same ideas to kind of present your material in a different way? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that is the downside of being extremely evidence based, right? Uh -huh. Because if we, we know what evidence based principles are, and I could easily stray from that and come up with some more crazy, wacky content. I mean, we don't need to name names, but like, how many different ways can you talk about knee pain during squats? How many different ways can you talk about back pain during the deadlift, right? So yeah, there's always going to be recycling because um, keep in mind, like if your business is, if you're running a business, you should be getting a steady influx of new viewers, new eyeballs. So that those new eyeballs are not going to know what you posted on Instagram four months ago. They're going to want to, they're going to, they're not going to scroll the whole way back on their, your feed for four months. They want to see what you're posting out right now. So like, even when we are sharing, I'm sharing old articles on Facebook every month, uh, just so that the new eyeballs can see that, Hey, we have. We have recycled content. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a healthy mixture of recycling old content and repackaging it. Um, but yeah, that's totally normal. Okay. That makes me feel way better about myself. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. got to repeat yourself. There's no way that you're going to post something new every single day. <laughs> no, no. And I don't, I think people just, it's just like how many do these three things for T-spine mobility, right? Exactly. Can you come up with uh, when it really comes down to it? Um, but the, the social media is just to, to, to I, I look at social media as a way to engage with people and to talk to people and to be a human and to have human conversations. And if they happen to come to one of my courses or they happen to sign up for an online course after that, then I did my job. It happens more effortlessly um, if you just act like an actual human on social media. <laughs> That's a great point. And I do have to ask this because, you know, now that you have a lot of online uh, content, that means you're more so an online business that has the potential to show up in person, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, like, have you ever reached that point of, of burnout? Because a lot of people are trying to put out content consistently to drive in a, a mm. force of people. Like, is there ever a point in time where you're like, whew, man, or if you had that moment, how did you overcome that? Yeah, let's rewind. Uh, so I started Barbell Rehab as an Instagram page in physical therapy school in 2016. Um, I had no clue what I was doing. I always say I was in like the first wave of the Insta physio craze where um, the only people that I knew on Instagram before me was the prehab guys, right? They like mm -hmm. set the stage way early 2016 or they, I, I don't want to misspeak if they're listening. They might've been on 2015, not sure. 
Um, but I got in super early and 2016 was also the same year that I started working 40 hours a week. Now, so I worked 40 hours a week between 2016 and 2019. I posted content on Barbell Rehab 2016 and 2017. And then I went completely silent for an entire year, for an entire year. For all of 2018, I was burned out. Um, and it was just, I didn't know what I was doing. 2017, I'm treating in the clinic full time. I'm trying to come home. I'm trying to write blog articles. I'm trying to make Instagram posts. Barbell rehab was not monetized at that point. It was just a hobby. So eventually 2018 came around and something had to give and it was content production. So I completely stopped it. And 2018 was, it was rough. It was a rough year um, where I, I didn't do anything creative. It was just go to work punch the clock and come home. And then at the end of 2018, eventually I said enough was enough. Like I, I got to do something here. And that's when I started up this second wave, which has now become what it is today. So by learning of the epic, like one year of burnout, I've learned to realize the signs. And here are a couple things that I do now. Um, if I start to produce content Content to me is a very creative process. It should not be something that's forced. Now, it's something that you can schedule. You can schedule to say, hey, on Wednesday, it's gonna be content production. Like you wanna get in the, the, the vibe of things, but if you get there and you're, nothing's coming out, like you're, you're just not feeling it, step away. Step away, don't force it. Writing content when, you're, when it doesn't feel right it just doesn't end well. So I've learned to focus more on myself, more on my self-development, making sure that I'm nurtured physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally to put me in the right mindset to be able to produce creative content versus looking at it like a very um, regimented, uh, like what word am I trying to think? It's a creative process. Yep. So burnout comes when you're not in the place to be able to be creative. So I've been focusing on more of myself to do that versus like all these different productivity strategies. See, that's, that's spoken like a true artist almost, you know, like <laughs> where we are, man. It's what it comes down to when, if you are, if you, if you're a content creator, there, there is art, it's art. It's a form of creative, creative expression. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, and that's, that's something that it's hard. So like, for example, if, you, if you're trying to get big on TikTok, right, a lot of people uh, read up on the fact that the algorithm definitely uh, rewards the people that post daily, right? Yeah. So it's like the, the, the second you miss a day, your 14,000 average views are going to drop to 2000. And it's just like, well, if my goal is to, you know, build a following, you're missing out, right? So it's, it's kind of weird, right? Because I would agree with you. Like that my best content that I put out where I can look back on and think like, dang, that was a good video. Yeah, is something yeah, yeah. that I maybe was laying in bed and I wrote something down or, you know, or like you just feel motivated to go play around with the camera and see what you can do. Um, and, and that's what I'm saying. And, but the algorithm's like, no, you got to post daily, but you got to figure this out. So it's kind of catch 22, at least on TikTok. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just started a TikTok, and I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm too old, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, oh, what is, what is this? I used to make uh, in the beginning of at the, at the beginning of 2021, I used to make jokes at my seminars where I was like, oh, if ticket sales go like start to go down, you'll see me dancing on TikTok. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very strange. Uh, so for those that 
I don't post daily. Um, if, if I were to post daily, it would be something of like, I would do like a, hey, 30 days, we're going to post daily. I don't know if I could keep that up forever. But I mean, as you guys know, when it comes to, if you're putting out mass content like that, you need to batch it. You, oh, <laughs> you yeah. need to pick a day and say, hey, I'm going to film 20 videos or 15 videos today. Um, so I still do batch content for sure. Um, and then I now have a video editor, editor that I just sent them off nice. to and she puts captions on them and she's been great with that. I said, make them look like they do on TikTok. And she says, got it. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's also, I guess that would be like the last topic we can touch on is uh, every successful person talks about how you need to leverage your time, right? Because at the end of the the day, like that's if with your time, it's most valuable thing or the most valuable asset in your business. And when did you find the time where you just started to think like that? So for example, you have a video editor, right? Or somebody's just like, okay, this is more so a hobby. I can probably edit this all on my own. So when did you just start to make the decision where you're like, okay, my time is more better spent doing elsewhere other than, you know, paying for somebody? At first it was reactive and then it became proactive. Reactive as like, at one point I found myself staring at the computer screen, like doing editing. And I was like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. And any excuse me, anytime you get to a point in a business where you're doing something and you don't feel like it, like deep down in your gut, like you're thinking of other things, you're like, I, sh- I want to do this, 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 that means that task should be outsourced. Gotcha. Um, so as soon as, because in the beginning, I really liked, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the video editing process. It was fun. And then when it no longer became fun for me, that's one of my signs of, okay, I can't keep doing that. That's what led to burnout before is when things are no longer fun. So let's outsource that part of it um, and let's do the things that I enjoy, which is like scheduling the courses, being the operator, the owner, the business owner, nurturing my team, working on like developing the team. And that's what I really get gratification out of. And I think that's going to change for everybody as you grow in a business, your likes and your passion is going to change. So as long as you're always working on what you enjoy and you outsource the rest, I think that's the ticket to reducing burnout. That's I also productivity and everything, right? Because like if you, who's going to, the like who's going to do better at expanding the business than yourself that has yeah. an interest in that particular area, right? That's a great yeah. point of putting, like that's a great point because I mean, at the end of the day, if like if I had a like so for example, me, Raul and I are are a tag team, right? If mm-hmm. if he didn't really care about the uh, video editing or the 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 audio editing, and I really did, there's gonna be two different products there, right? Yeah, you know, so it makes a lot of sense because you know, for example, if it's a nitpicky thing that I have a high interest in, I'm like I'm gonna clean this up before we post it, versus like ah, who cares? Yeah. You know, so that's a phenomenal yeah. point that I never really thought about. Yeah, I said it's like by doing the things you enjoy, I think that's what longevity in business is. Outsource the things you don't enjoy. And because I never there there's that saying that if if something costs less than what you make in an hour. Like I know like we're we're not in the whole time for money thing right now, but if you take your yearly gross revenue and you divide uh-huh. it down to what you would make an hour, like there's this there's folks that say, "Well, if something costs less than whatever that is, you should outsource it." And and I get it to an to a degree, yeah. but I I don't think that outsourcing things that you really really enjoy um, I think you should you should keep those on as long as as the business owner you're still the one driving the business forward. That should be your your overall goal, right? But 
I don't think you need to outsource everything. Yeah, just all the monotony, right? Like yeah, all the yeah. stuff you don't care about. Yep. Yeah, because there's people out there that enjoy that. Like mom, I'm not my video editor's only client. She's in college in France and I'm sure she has more. I know she has other clients than me. So she doesn't work for anybody. She runs her own business and her business is I do social media marketing and she enjoys that. So we always forget about the outsourcing thing doesn't always need to be to better yourself. Look at the opportunity you're giving that person, right? And that's why when you run a business, if you do it right, everybody wins. Everybody wins. You give people opportunities. You give yourself time. You disconnect time from money. You give yourself your personal life back. If you do it right, literally everybody wins. Your customers win that you've provided them value. There's no reason not to start and run a business to be honest. Honestly, like that's where we're going to put a pin in it because I don't <laughs> think we can top it from that, that last statement that you just made. <laughs> but, you know, before we, we put the, the end to this, definitely plug your stuff. Where can everyone find you? And when is the next course coming out if it's live? Sweet. Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram at Barbell Rehab. I try and respond to all my DMs. So pop, uh, come on over, say hi. Um, and I'd love to chat with you. And other than that, I did start a TikTok page, but we're working on it. Any we're dancing videos it. yet? No dancing videos <laughs> yet. Uh, it's mainly just me talking with captions. The same thing you see on the Instagram reels. Um, and yeah, our next course, we have two courses coming up. Uh, one at Kabuki Strength next weekend. Nice. Uh, we have a couple seats left for that. We have one uh, in a suburb of uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Clarksville, Tennessee on July 9, 10. And then we are taking two months off from live teaching uh, to work on some internal projects and to give people a break for vacations. And then we're back at it in September. Right on, right on. Raul's going to tag that all into the show notes. Sweet. And